Hey, y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm here with Kevin. Hey, hey. Today we have some cyberpunk news. We're talking about expansions and half sequels, the future Star Wars, and even getting in some wrestling. Okay, we're going to first off start with a question out of the Geek Box. I'm pulling it here. We have, which wizard in fiction is the most powerful? This is opinion-based. So which fi- wizard in fiction is most powerful? Oh, all right. Uh, oh, just me cracking my knuckles. It didn't really make there a sound, is. but that's okay. Um, yeah. Shit. Okay, so this has got to be between. I'm, I'm not huge on uh, like fantasy sci-fi, so yeah. yeah. In in my opinion, it's between like Gandalf the White and Luke Skywalker. It's like it's a it, yeah. it's one of those two. It's got to be one of those two, right? Like yeah. I I'm not a Harry Potter guy and I don't think he was super powerful. I don't know. I'm guessing he got more powerful as the movies went on and books went on, but Luke Skywalker was like the epitome of power, right? He's I like, kind of was thinking Palpatine true space wizard. Yeah. Palpatine's yeah, kind of yeah. like he leans in on this. I mean like we see in episode three that he, he does have unlimited power but but like he would like relies almost solely on the force for his fighting ability pretty much yeah, that's, episode three. that's 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 a fair point too yeah uh, i i don't see him as a wizard he's more of a space warlock oh nice <laughs> just the, well, the, maybe, the, the powers that he has have you heard about the tragedy of plagueis the wise maybe he's the most powerful wizard <laughs> he could be is it possible to learn that skill <laughs> we <laughs> He may have in episode five of himself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would. I mean, I like how we both immediately are thinking Star Wars, and yeah, Luke Skywalker is a pretty safe bet. I mean, at this point, or it's the Mortis gods. Like that's what's so crazy is I think Anakin is now so freaking leveled up, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let maybe Anakin guys. was a better choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he like, but I, you know, he's so lightsaber dependent. That's a little bit tricky. He's so badass. I'm so happy they brought him back, and he's like back in a big way. Yeah. I promise we're not going to talk about Ahsoka too much, guys. I know we've been hammering that home a lot lately. <laughs> it's hard because we're pretty much geeking out around here. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some news. Uh, Netflix is raising their prices again. They say due to the Hollywood strike. Now, this isn't um, inside sources are saying this, so not Netflix themselves. Uh, I I think on the surface, you almost understand the reasoning behind it. It's like, well, our cost just went up, so of course our prices have to go up. But if it doesn't feel like a one for one. What do you think about this? I I honestly think that it's Netflix taking advantage or it very well could be Netflix taking advantage. Mm-hmm. That's my gut reaction, right? Like that was something that a lot of studios were saying is all oh, the longer the strike goes on and the more people that rally behind them, if they really if the writers get what they want, it's going to make streaming services. Uh, the price go up and you and I and almost everybody else is like, let's get them what they deserve. Let's get these writers, yeah. you know, the, the money that they have earned. And this is like their little way of saying, well, now you guys are paying for it. I, I don't know. I Yeah, their costs do go up naturally, but. But it feels like those prices go up all the time and they they are just using this yeah. as an example. I wish so much and no business needs to do this, but wouldn't it be nice if we actually got like an Excel sheet that just shows profit margins for these guys? So we know <laughs> what the truth is. I think that should be something that like all companies release. But man, I'm so tired of paying more for Netflix. Yeah, we, like I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My wife and I, we canceled our Netflix account like yeah. four or five months ago. And it's nice because I also just moved from Hulu to Sling to save myself 50 bucks a Sling, month on live really? TV. 
Yeah. Well, because I was doing Hulu Live TV to watch my I AEW see. every week. Oh, yeah. And that they're right. They just raised that up to $90 a month for live TV with no ads. I'm like, what's the point of cutting the cord if one streaming service for live TV is the same price as cable? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Hulu, so. the normal Hulu I love so much. It's my favorite streaming service outside of YouTube. Um, but yeah, I've been tempted by the live TV. And what's nuts is like YouTube's tempting because they have that NFL package, which after today's game, I don't know if I ever need it again. But um, they have that NFL package, but it's $450 for just one season. That's it's hard to justify a car payment, you know, for, <laughs> right. for watching football. So it's it's really tough. I think these prices are are kind of just getting out of control, especially when I don't see the cost really going up. Like if you were delivering goods and the gas prices are up that just makes sense to me that prices would go up because naturally but like what's going up for you guys nothing except for very little bit you're paying more for the writers and the actors at some point the same thing has been happening in video games for a while like we just saw the base price of a video game triple a game go up from 60 bucks to 70 bucks and the thought process behind that was well the technology is getting getting bigger getting harder to do or having to hire more people for longer amounts of time and the the uh, the, the graphical fidelity that are, gamers are expecting yeah. which is not, never something i've ever said so i don't know how many gamers are actually expecting that I, I it's probably a similar situation with streaming like the the actors are more and more in demand the special effects are getting higher and higher because the practical effects have been going that, down yeah. and I, I don't know but the episode counts are also going down like quite a, a bit a, a Star Wars show now has eight episodes or a Star Trek show has like eight or 10 episodes in a season as opposed yeah. to 22 to 24 that they had in you know decades past. It's insane. I do feel like the quality, though, is matching that because I think eight episodes yeah. nowadays is we had so much filler back in the day. Like every I Star Trek the filler, the though, damn it. I know. Like that's the I point know. of Strange New Worlds, right? Like that was supposed to be filler. Yeah, it, basically, the show is answering the, the, the demand for filler. <laughs> <laughs> with the the short season run though episode run right but, totally yeah. true so it is a wash and then when it comes to gaming i you know i was a big advocate saying like yeah the price does need to go up because they're just it hasn't gone up for so long this is a 360 basically but then there after being kind of educated by the people two big adv- uh, things came up first off m- money is not made through the game alone anymore like rarely ever and secondly they're not making physical copies anymore which was a huge part of their budget and so it's like, well, yeah, if you're making way less physical copies, then you're really not needing more money for that anymore. So it is a bit of a wash. And, and I think, again, it's kind of like, oh, well, if you guys understand this, we're going to increase the price, whether or not, you know, it actually is needed. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting frustrated with it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some Star Wars. This is very light, but they're coming out with what's called Star Wars Unlimited. It's a new trading card game. It's going to be launching March 8th, 2024. We have Lorcana that's currently taking over the, the the trading card world. Now, I have a feeling you're not much of a trading card fan. Am I correct in understanding that? You hit the nail on the head with that. Yep. Okay. But you are a Star Wars fan. Is this something that you would give a shot? No. Not at all, really. Maybe if my, my soon-to-be-born daughter gets into something like that, then I'd get into it with her. But other than that, no. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it a shot. I, I did buy, they had an old school one, and it actually used real pictures from the movies. And this is in the prequels, and I was such a Naboo fan. And so, like, I had, like, a full-on Naboo deck with all these fighters and stuff. Um, I would totally get back into it if they make sure to, like, hey, this is the prequel set or whatever. Like, just do a Naboo set or something. 
I would get back into it. This is all one of my favorite parts about Magic the Gathering or other trading cards is it's this original artwork and they usually accredit the artist. And all this is original Star Wars art that's coming up these cards. So that's always cool. Because then it's like, hey, you know, we're getting more Star Wars art. That's always good. It'll be out March 8th. My, my biggest issue with it is I don't need another collectible. And that's all it would end up being is a, another collectible, another way to yeah. spend money. I, I would love to do that because I was I went on the website to just look at it a little bit. And the artwork does look awesome. And I yeah. am I'm a huge sucker for like concept art. And this kind of has like mm. heavy concept art feel to it. So it does look yeah. really cool. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to get variants that are like, oh, this is, the uh, you know, what Chewbacca used to look like, which I know is basically Zeb, but. <laughs> This is what Chewbacca used to look like before they did redesigned him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That would be neat. Um, last little bit of news here. We have Cyberpunk 2077 is getting turned into a live action adaptation. This is a no-brainer, in my opinion. If you guys watched Netflix, there's a, a show called Carbon Copy. No, it's not that. It was something like that. A real big show that was all in a cyberpunk world. But it's just it's such an easy setting to make stories in where drug, sex, alcohol, all that stuff's just part of the your your setting. And this is a slam dunk to me. Um, have you played much of the game? No, but I would definitely watch a show based in that world. Yeah, yeah for sure. Cause you're a sci-fi fan. So what part of sci-fi do you think we can like, why do you think sci-fi would be a good show? Like, I, cause I know with like star Trek, it's so unique cause it's all hopeful and it kind of like makes it makes us think, but I also think like star Wars doesn't necessarily do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think anything in the cyberpunk in us in any cyberpunk universe is so opposite that it's like, the opposite of Star Trek. It's very dingy. It's very uh, dystopian, very corporate overlord. And yeah. it's just a totally different setting to have the same types of stories be told in. But everything looks so damn cool. in those kind of stories, there is was it altered carbon. Is that what you were talking? Altered about? carbon. Thank God. Yeah. That show was freaking cool. Like I didn't watch the whole yeah. thing. My uh, my wife got into it, though. And what I did watch of it was like very addictive to watch. And I, I would watch something set in the actual CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk 2077 yeah. universe for sure. They are working with another company to develop it. So it is actually made by them. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good sign. Um, by the way, I just heard that they spent over $100 million fixing Cyberpunk, the first game. Yeah, 120. 120. Man, I tell you what, that company's got my loyalty then because that's what I love to hear. You released a game, you made your money from it. First off, they offered full refunds and I did take advantage of it at the time. I ended up mm -hmm. buying the game again a little bit later on when I saw that they were doing fixes to it. And then to invest that much money back into it, like that is, EA doesn't do that, basically is <laughs> no. what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, they, they built up all that goodwill after The Witcher 3. Like everybody and their yes. mom played The Witcher 3. Oh, that's fair. And yeah. Yeah, they kind of squandered that by accident, I suppose, mm -hmm. by releasing Cyberpunk 2077 and in the state that it was. But yeah, good on them. Yeah. Um, I think Bethesda has a lot of goodwill because of how good Skyrim is. And somehow the bugs in uh, in Bethesda games are a part of the peel. And that's like a magic trick. I don't think any other video game developer can do. I yeah. know Blizzard doesn't get away with it. So Yeah, it, it's the difference between like even a Rockstar game can come out and some people expect some bugs out of a Rockstar game. But the level of people that will get pissed about like if GTA 6 come out comes out as buggy as uh, Starfield did, then yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a massive uproar. <laughs> I was so pissed to fix the bugs in Starfield because there's this, you could go to one of the cities, Aquila, and if you kneel down in front of the shop, you could see into his storeroom and just like clean him out. Then go to him and sell the stuff back to him. And so oh like gosh. whenever you're just near Aquila City, he's like, let me, let me just do a quick exchange. Um, 
they what they did, and this is a problem actually throughout all of Starfield, is they removed all the storages for all the stores. So you can't do that. You can't bug your way through the floor oh, or anything like that. Oh, man. I was so pissed. I was like, all right, I need some ammo. So let me go buy Aquila real quick. And uh, nope, <laughs> they fixed it. Bastards. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. No. I want to go pre you guys fixing your game. <laughs> Moving forward, we're talking about Cyberpunk a little bit here. We're going to do a big Cyberpunk uh, discussion at the end. Scott's going to be doing a review for it, so stick around for that. But one of the things IGN wrote an article about is how there's a return of half sequels, is what they're calling them, or expansions. And probably the two most notable examples I could think of is the Spider-Man Miles Morales, which was kind of a half game, and it came out at a lesser price following Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man for the PlayStation. And then we also just had Phantom Liberty, which is this big DLC expansion for um, cyberpunk this is an old way of making money but it's kind of coming back can you think of any other examples other than those two uh recently assassin's creed mirage i'd consider that a half sequel because it was supposed to be dlc for assassin's creed valhalla it came out at a 50 dollar price point instead of a 60 or 70 when it came out this week or this past week so that's that's one there for half sequels that's I don't know. I have always had a hard time justifying buying games like that on, on launch, but I've always loved expansion packs. Being able to pay $30 to extend the life of a game is far more valuable to me, I would say, than spending $10 on this DLC, $5 on this DLC, 16 on this one, but you get a shitload of cosmetics. Like, I don't care about yeah. that. I love yeah. expansions, and I'm glad that they're making a comeback. One of the, my favorite parts about expansions is if I know they're coming for a company that I trust, so Bethesda, stuff like that, I will put, I will invest more time into the main game knowing my character is going to move forward into the expansion. So okay, it's like, yeah. oh, let me make sure I build up a good amount of health supply. So when the expansion comes out for this game, I kick ass, you know. Oblivion is my best example of that because it came out with both expansions and I went through them. I loved those games. The expansions were phenomenal. And so same difference. And same thing with Cyberpunk, like Scott went back to the game to play it again to make sure he was prepared to go into the expansion. Like that's really good advertisement basically for your game right there. Yeah. I mean, it's the lifeblood of the MMO genre too. An expansion comes out. How many of you guys are all let's go back to wow for a for a week. We're all playing it right now, preparing for BlizzCon. Yeah. And we've been, <laughs> yeah. that game came out in Oh four. So we've been playing it for 20, 20 years. Wow. So, yeah, so it's been around for a long time. <laughs> God damn. Um, and it has 11 expansions or whatever. And, yeah, so that keeps that game alive. And we're really excited to see what gets announced next. We're hoping it's a pirate expansion. But, um, yeah, it's a really good way for MMOs. But to see it in single-player games, I think, is pretty interesting. So IGN came out with this article, and one of the things they were mentioning is that AAA games are now taking about 10 years to development. To develop. Uh, Elder Scrolls Six was announced around 2018. And they just now started the development for that game. And then GTA 6, again, also has been in rumors and stuff like that for a long time. Um, and these half sequels are good ways to kind of fill the gap and kind of help fund the bigger project. Um, do you think this is a good way to do it? Or do you think we should find another way to fund the gaming industry? I am uh, very hesitant to say the game industry needs more money. Like, that's yeah. it, it seems like everything, every bit of news that has come out about gaming in the last 15 years has been how can AAA publishers make more money and it's mm -hmm. usually however the hell they want and they'll try to patent a way to to scheme their way into making more money 
I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big proponent of that. I do love expansions. If you're adding value to a game, I will buy, especially if it's from, a, like you said, from a developer publisher that I trust and it's for a game that I already play. Why not buy the expansion for it? Like, honestly, when I first set, read the word expansion in the, the notes today, the recording notes, I immediately went to Diablo 2. And just the way that that in Diablo 2, Diablo 3, the expansion pack that came out probably within a year or so of the game coming out completely changed the game because it adds to the end of the game. So you're getting more story, but it changes mm-hmm. the entire meta of the online play as well. So it's both that single player and that multiplayer expansion sort of thing that I really yeah. dig about it. Another great example is that of that is in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. The expansion for that game, one of two expansions, if I remember correctly, uh, makes it to where you're a demigod or, or whatever. So you actually become closer to um, Shadow of Mordor or uh, God of War character instead of just an Assassin's Creed or Assassin's Creed character, which is like, man, that's such a different departure for the game, and that feels very different. It's almost like a dream state for your character in a way uh, that you know it doesn't feel like it's actually part of your normal character. But I do like that that it feels like a new game, but also I'm familiar with this world. And that's really good. Uh, Do you think of, can you think of any games that have been dormant for a long time that deserved those half expansions? Um, I think Outer Worlds is probably one of my bigger ones. I know that they've come out with some stuff, but nothing major. And I think that it really could have benefited from a couple expansions that threw in a couple extra planets and some quick storylines I would have, I would have bought in. Yeah. um, Hitman has been doing, I've been recently playing Hitman, uh, the World of Assassination trilogy and fucking great oh my god so so good they they come out with new dlc every now and then if they did like a i it's hard to call each game its own individual game it's all basically episodic dlc for one big game but i want them to make the next big game the size of the world of assassination but if they did that i would want a game in between those (laughs) to kind of answer your question I, i don't know what game i would say now that i would want an interim game for because I might, I don't know. What about Mass Effect? That's a that's a franchise you've been a big fan of in the past. Yeah, is that something that could have benefited from using half sequels? <laughs> I don't know. Andromeda kind of is like they're talking about the new Mass Effect that is kind of currently in development, as if it's Mass Effect Four, even though Mass mm-hmm. Effect Andromeda did come out. So that game sucked. Yeah, <laughs> in my opinion, Mass Effect Two and Mass Effect Three sucked as well. Mass Effect One was incredible, but but you're still are you still looking forward to more Mass Effect based off of your hype from the first one, or is it kind of like I'm, Assassin's Creed died off me. for me in a way? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, That's so hard to carry that through sometimes. You know, when it's like, damn, I want to love you, I want to love what you used to be, yeah. but yeah, like the same with Dragon Age, Bioware's other other baby Dragon Age, like yeah, Inqu- it, Inquisition, Inquisition. That was the last one. Yeah, that was good. That was a good. I loved it. Uh, yeah. Departure from what Dragon Age 2 did. Dragon Age 2 felt like it was an interim sequel, like a half sequel. Because that, that game was just... Yeah, it was such a small game compared to Dragon Age Origins. It was a very fast-paced game. Totally changed the way that, uh, that, the game, that the game was played. The combat was completely different. The story was told in a different way. Everything about it was so different. And then Inquisition was sort of a return to form, not as RPG-focused mm-hmm. as Origins, but it was still more of that classical feel then holy shit than dragon age yeah. 2 was 
So the Bioware yeah. Combat's a signature of the of them. So yeah, you expect it out of their games. Right. Yeah. So that's what. Yeah, I totally feel because that Inquisition was so good. I loved it. That's Xbox One. I ended up playing it on that one. It was really good. I would play a Jedi Survivor, Jedi a Fallen Order, Jedi Survivor interim sequel before the next one, for sure. Oh, and those two yeah. were full. Jedi Survivor, I would not call that a half sequel. That was a full-blown sequel. That was a, an outstanding standalone game. But I would I, play I, any expansion or DLC that for that. I legit feel bad that that game came out this year. It's too bad. <laughs> right? Any other year, it would be a contender for game of the year. It just came out in the wrong year because it's got Zelda and whatnot. But man, what a great game. I, I enjoyed it. And again, it was pro- it was the first game where I was going New Game Plus. And uh, just because I was like, I want to swing my lightsaber some more. And so yeah. I just died back in. Um, that's a good one. And I really hope that Cal Kestis in the next story can kind of get closer to everybody else because I really want the Disney Plus series of his. So yeah. hopefully we get something like that. Uh, all right. So final final ruling on this return of expansions and, and half sequels. Is it good for the industry or is it just a way to rake in more money from us? I think it's uh, an honor, more honorable way to rake in more money from us. It's better well, than it's cosmetic good. DLCs and loot boxes Battle and passes. gambling mechanics yeah 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 that diablo the new diablo is like doing this like seasonal thing i'm just like yeah i don't even care about you guys like in a way not like season like not like diablo 3 but a different kind where it's like oh you guys like fortnite right <laughs> like, oh, no, we oh i gotcha <laughs> yeah yeah kids like fortnite or like yeah. people that were kids like 10 years ago like fortnite and everybody i know loved diablo 4 including myself but we played it and we were done with the story and then we're like okay that's good for us now and I don't think they expected that. According from what I've seen from Blizzard marketing and stuff like that, which by the way, Blizzard, we're still, you know, we're friends. Um, they're very much like uh <laughs> like, oh hey, we have this tie-in event now with this game. And tie-in event is like, nobody's playing that game anymore. We don't care about your tie-in events anymore. <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> oh shit, too many things were already in development. <laughs> Not good. Shifting gears to Star Wars. Uh, we've been talking about Ahsoka lately, and you know, you're kind of the Let's be honest, a Star Wars expert amongst us. And so I thought we would ask you, I'd ask you, what are some of your predictions for the future? Now, to set the stage, we have Thrawn now in the Filoni universe. And uh, Ezra back is, is back as well. We have uh, Ahsoka and Sabine, Balin and Shinhati that are in the other universe. I think they're kind of off the board for a little bit. Uh, and we have the Mandalorians all in their effect, and we actually got a call out about the Mandalorians during the Ahsoka series. The source material for this is the uh, Heir of the Empire. Have you read that? The Heir of the Empire trilogy, as it's... I, I always refer to it as the Thrawn trilogy. I read it, but Most that was like actually, 15 yeah. years ago. Okay. But so long. Still not bad compared to what I've read, which is not enough of it. I have I've been kind of tinkering with it a little bit. Based off of that, and it sounds like Filoni's pulling a lot of material from that, what can we expect from some of our bigger characters going forward? It's hard to tell because the way that the original trilogy characters were used in Timothy Zahn's original three non-canon books are totally different than what the sequel trilogy has already told us is going to happen. The only big similarity is that Han and Leia got together. That was and they had a kid, but mm-hmm. in the books, they had like three kids. I think uh, they had a set of twins and then another kid after that. Um, I want Mara Jade out of this. I think I've mentioned that before. Yeah. It's like our Ahsoka preview thing. I want Mara right. Jade, who ended up being Mara Jade Skywalker in the books. 
I think she was just Mara Jade in the Thrawn trilogy of books. She was a good foil for Luke. They had this like, will they, won't they kind of combative relationship for like many of the books that I, I, their whole relationship was just wild. And then they ended up getting married and having, I think they had one kid named him Ben. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, that was great. Um, Seeing Grand Admiral Thrawn and Captain Palian, who was introduced Captain Palian was introduced in, was it the Mandalorian? Mandalorian or? season three. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like very, very briefly though. I'm like, oh my God, he's here. He's here. And it's like, yeah. I didn't think that they were going to make that character and just everything can tie together so freaking well if they play it right. If I, I keep hearing that Dave Filoni is making either a movie or his own trilogy of movies. Yeah. I kind of don't want any more TV shows between now and then. Of of the Ahsoka Mandalorian, yeah, uh, Thrawn Filoni stuff. I guess Mandalorian stuff is totally separate, but yeah. Well, the, the, that being said, the next thing is the Mandalorian, and he says that they can't work on the next Mandalorian until they finish Ahsoka because they're tied together. So okay. that's they are. We know that the Mandalorian crew is definitely gonna. My prediction is the it's not the Rebel Alliance. What is it called now? The Republic. It's going to be like, hey, we really don't have a military anymore. So, but, you know, Carson Teva is going to be like, well, I know there's a bunch of soldiers and is going to hit up the Mandalorians to say like, hey, can you guys help us with the Thrawn situation? I think that's going to be the situation or Thrawn's going to accidentally poke the bear over at Mandalore and uh, might become a problem. I don't know, something there. Do you think they're going to do the same? I, I kind of feel like, I can't remember his name, but his assistant, Thrawn's assistant. We don't need to say what he does exactly. Um, right hand man. Um, but... Do you think they're still going to use that character in that way from the books? Because I feel like he's not being established enough in the shows right now for what ends up becoming of him. No, no, totally different. Um, I think the, the are you talking about Captain Pelion or yes, Captain Pelion? Thank you. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't whatever rank he was commander. I, I don't know. Um, Yeah. That character, that character. I don't think that they're going to use him at all in the same way. I think that they just kind of introduced him as a wink and a nod to I, that's good. The people that read the books. That's, is there anybody currently in Star Wars that you think could take that spot? Because I'm kind of liking that that Captain, I can't remember his name now, but the one with the gold face that was introduced in Ahsoka. Captain He's Enoch got, or whatever. Enoch is exactly it. He's got like a real good eye-catching look. And so yeah. maybe he could play that role. It's got to be somebody like that, I think. Yeah, I kind of see Enoch as just the heavy right now. He was more of the, yeah. like what Captain Phasma was in exactly. the, the, prequel, the sequel trilogy. <laughs> the sequel trilogy, yeah. Yeah, that pesky um, secret trilogy really, really ruins things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's the entirety of what Dave Filoni's doing is trying to uh, rectify the mistakes of the of Disney sequel trilogy. But it, I, I don't know. I try to take it as just a totally new, different thing altogether. But yeah, yeah. To, for Captain Palin, I don't think that Thrawn needs a lackey. I think that Thrawn's presence is big enough by himself. Because he stands out not only physically having red eyes and blue skin, but just his demeanor and his uh, his war record speaks for itself. Uh, yeah. Like he doesn't need a lackey. I think in the books, it was great to see Paleings. I think that he was supposed to have been a human who was younger than Thrawn and he was going to take over after Thrawn. I, I, I that's how I read it, at least in my mind when I was reading the books, okay. Palian was supposed to have been young. And he was the one that was going to take over for Thrawn after Thrawn dies or retires or whatever. That's how I read it back in the day. 
So from my understanding, I thought he was older and that he was kind of like sympathetic to prior or before the Empire stuff. And when things were getting a little out of hand, he didn't care for it. That's what I had remembered or something like that. Like, I think that's, you know, I, yeah, I, that, that could possibly be it. I know that's more how he was written in the in the canon Star Trek, Star Trek, fuck, Star <laughs> in the Wars. canon Star Wars stuff. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's probably what I'm pulling from, not the old school one. Okay. Well, yeah, you could be right too on the I think you read the old stuff more much more recently than I have, so. Yeah. I've know. been like doing the Wikipedia dives, you know what I'm saying? Like where it's like, okay, the gotcha. most material is very big, but I need to go through and learn about these characters this way just so I know kind of what I'm talking about a little bit when I'm going through the Ahsoka series. Um as for Mara Jade, could Shinhati fill in that role, do you think? I've read that online and Maybe not for the Luke Skywalker thing. I mean, it's it's possible, but it did really have to make it work really well to see where to to get to the point where Luke Skywalker was come the end of episode seven, beginning of episode eight of the movies of him being like the hermit in the middle of nowhere by himself. So they'd really have to do something good with her character to make that relationship work and then become that. Yeah. They also have a problem where, I mean, motion or the face capture for when he's training Grogu or just like walking in to collect Grogu and walk away is fine. But to actually have him as a working character amongst everything else and falling in love, that's going to be a bit much. We, I think we'd either need a full recast or maybe he's like, I'm a big fan of collecting helmets now or something like that. And <laughs> when it covers his face a little bit, you know. Uh, I think Ezra was actually a fan of collecting helmets at the beginning he of was. Rebels. He could have raided yeah. Ezra's helmet collection. <laughs> Bro, I didn't know you had the Stormtrooper 251 or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Something like that. I don't know. That is a problem. So maybe they could replace, if they even use Shinhati, maybe they could replace um, the Luke Skywalker side of that equation. Maybe it's Mandalorian. Yeah. It would be best if it was actually, you know, a, a Jedi of some sort. Maybe Ezra. But I think they're really pitching that whole Sabine and Ezra thing, which as a Rebels fan, I'm like, they're brother and sister, not, yeah, I don't know. To me, I've always seen them as brother and sister. It's it's the Tendi and Rutherford of it all. Like, it it, it, it yeah. really is that relationship or the the Mariner uh, Boimler. It's it's yeah. that relationship. So, I, I yeah, I would hate to see them kind of ruin that by having them hook up, but I think they're really pushing that for the mainstream fans of like, oh, she's been released, but it's she's looking for her brother, in my opinion. But nevertheless, um, any other predictions going forward for the Star Wars universe as a whole? I'm trying to not predict anything because with predictions comes expectations. Expectations. Yeah. Disney's good at ruining them. I this don't want that Yoda to happen statement. to me. Absolute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's the better way of looking at it. But uh, yeah, I, I just try not to. I have my Star Trek expectations. I try not to set Star Wars expectations anymore just because of how many movies in a row kind of ruined it for me. So, yeah, I I am setting up expectations just because I know what can be uh, without trying to dive too deep into it. But I tell you, one of the better decisions of my geekdom lifespan is investing time to watch Rebels. Bad Batch, because now I know how good Bad Batch actually was. I thought for sure it was bad when I first learned about it. when I first saw Omega. I was like, OK, yeah. I don't need any more of this, but get past that. And then just cool. Um and then, of course, Clone Wars is a given. But yeah, Rebels, I mean, what a fan fic this show is for Rebels fans. Some yeah. of the stuff we never thought we'd see. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
Um, speaking of Star Trek, I want to throw this out there real quick. Picard, John Picard, Patrick Stewart, sorry, just came out of the book. Um, and he was saying that he actually wanted to end the Picard series with him having a wife because he always wanted to see the Picard character end off actually content and with that being a wife. And so he actually volunteered to come in an extra day. He actually wrote the scene and he's like, hey, let's add this at the end. So my character's gone the way I wanted to be gone. I'm like, oh, it's a great idea. You know, Patrick, yada, yada, yada. He even came, volunteered to come in for free to do it because everybody else didn't need to be on the set. It's just him. Um, and his wife was in the script was supposed to be like his real wife was going to be the voice. So you couldn't tell if it was Crusher or if it was the yeah, Romulan. I can't remember her name. Um, I can't remember her name either. Damn it. Yeah. But but the idea was like, oh, I can't really quite make up that that voice. And it was actually going to be his real wife. Um, then they just kind of were like putting him off. He noticed he, this is all from his book. They were kind of putting him off the whole time. And finally, one of them says like, you know what? We're just going to go with what we already have with you guys all hanging out, hanging out in the bar. It's a really good thing for the fans and not so much for your character. He has then since decided he really wants to do one last movie, a Jean-Luc Picard movie. Uh, is there any more story to tell? I kind of feel like Jean-Luc Picard needs to just be, maybe he'll glance in at like a Star Trek legacy st- series or something like that. But I think we're, I think I'm done with them really. Yeah. I, I'm really upset that they didn't bring Laris. It, I had to look up her name. Her name's Laris, the Romulan woman. Um, they didn't bring her in at the end of Picard season three at all. That, that actually yeah. legitimately irked me because they had this, this relationship that was building up. And you could tell they got to a good place at the beginning of the season. And they both said, oh, yeah, we'll meet at this bar on this day. And nothing ever again yeah. from her. Yeah, I, I, I don't want it now. I'm kind of done as well. But mm-hmm. just because the ending was so poignant, it was, it was such a, like a good yeah. ending. Once again, it was like the same ending that he had or that they all had at the the end of uh, season seven of the next generation it was almost the exact same ending actually so yeah no i it sucks to say but yeah i'm kind of done with picard as a character now too yeah i kind of think part of the problem too was that they brought crusher back so much and obviously with the sun and stuff so it was kind of like really confusing fans in a way with it were like here's his old love interest and they have a couple sparks that are flying you know and I don't know. Personally, I feel like the age gap is very much more prominent now. feels like, in my opinion, than it was back then. Um, but yeah, I kind of think that that was also a reason to not bring Laris back at the end. But I yeah, still would have been nice to have something to kind of like sign that character off and not leave it open ended. Like right now, if we do get that Star Trek legacy, I do expect Picard to give like seven or nine a pep talk at some point, which is a shame yeah. for this character who's ready to retire. So <laughs> Nobody's asking, you know, uh, Kirk to come back. We all know he's done. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. A big and the, our last big discussion. I want to make sure we talk about is uh, again, like with Star Wars, you are our wrestling guru, and I kind of try to keep up on the news part of it because there's so much news coming out, especially right now. Uh, we had the TKO merger. For those at home who aren't familiar with it fully, can you explain what's going on with that. Yeah. So the company that owns UFC, they're called Endeavor. They bought WWE. They own 51% of WWE. Um, so And they merged the two companies, UFC and WWE, into one company under TKO Holdings. 
which mm-hmm. is money this, money that, money the other thing. Right. Um, it, it's basically a way Vince McMahon owns 49% of the company. Uh, they own the other 51. They have the final say on everything. He has creative control and hiring, firing, all that stuff is all on him as long as he's doing what they want, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Not only with that happening, but all the TV deals are being renegotiated right now. I believe I had heard that SmackDown WWE's second show was who was just uh, just had a massive deal with Fox like four years ago. That deal is ended and it's now like one point two billion dollars to go back for one show to go back weekly to the USA Network who already has raw and NXT, which is WWE's other two weekly TV shows. Uh, it's, it's just insane. The fact that uh, NXT used to be a one hour show on the WWE network. So it wasn't even on cable TV is now yeah. a two hour show on USA that for, I don't know, almost two years was competing with AEW neck and neck on the Wednesday, on Wednesday night every week until they moved it to Tuesday night. And have it, their flagship show every Monday night, which is already an over billion dollar deal for them with USA. It's just the m- amount of money that they're getting out of this is insane. AEW has been just the existence of all elite wrestling has been such a boon to professional wrestling fans and to professional wrestlers that there's just more eyes and more money in the industry than ever before. And it's a great time, great time to be a fan, great time to be a talent. Yeah, it's something else. I think for some people who might not be aware of how big wrestling is, might not realize how big the fandom is, how much money is being circled around in this industry, and the fans, how you know how much of a fever pitch there is for their for the shows. Uh, with all elite wrestling, do you think that there's enough to go around, or do you feel like the fandom split between the two, or is it like I'm only an AEW fan, I'm only WWE? So, you know how there's tribalism in video games? Like, there's the Call of Duty guys, Xbox and there's the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Xbox and PlayStation, that's the that's a better metaphor for it. That is absolutely the case with, with wrestling right now. It has been for four years. I personally don't watch WWE, and it's not because I don't like the wrestlers. I love a lot... So most of my favorite... Or a lot of my favorite wrestlers are in WWE. It's more of just a personal preference thing. Um, they had too much to watch every week, so I was losing it. Um, also didn't care for a lot of the business practices of the McMahon family. Not a big fan of them personally. Understandable. So yeah. I, I watch AEW, but I don't deny the existence of WWE like a lot of people do the other way around. There's there's hardcore tribalism on both sides, and it's very frustrating to watch, but it also helps generate the kind of buzz like when is the last time that you've seen anything wrestling related and it didn't have the words CM Punk attached to it? I, I'm t- that's the next thing is CM Punk. That name alone makes you think <laughs> like, what's he up to now? What's going on? He just moved sides, correct? Oh my God. So a l- little bit of backstory. He was fired from WWE back in, I want to say 2014, 2015, somewhere right. in there. He left wrestling for seven years. He tried UFC. He was kind of sucked from what I've seen. He was not great at at, uh, MMA. So when it was rumored that Tony Khan, the guy from the guy that started all elite wrestling had signed CM Punk to a deal. It was this massive thing that just gathered so many eyes to they, they launched a second show 
for CM Punk at the time. Like, yeah, Rampage debuted and CM Punk was on the second episode of Rampage. And it just started off with just his music playing Cult of Personality. And it was this mm-hmm. thing. It was just this monstrous mainstream thing. And fast forward through a couple years of backstage fights and all the oh, politicking yeah. and creating. They created another, a third show for CM Punk. Because after he got in a backstage fight with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, who are the elite behind all elite wrestling, they're they're called the elite. They helped create the company. There's a backstage fight with them, with all of those guys. They created another show on TNT that CM Punk was supposed to be like it was a soft roster split. CM Punk's people could be on one show. The elites people could be on another show. Keep it all separate. Yeah. What do you think's going to come out of that? We're trying to keep everybody separate, especially when yeah. once every few months there's a pay-per-view where everybody comes together. Biggest pay-per-view of pro wrestling history, AEW All In in Wembley. There's another backstage fight with CM Punk. He gets fired from this one. So now there's talks that he's going back to WWE, who said that they both Oh my God, this is, it, it, it's insane. The amount of people who have already come out from WWE saying they don't want to work with CM Punk because of his track record, not just in AEW, but from WWE, his first run yeah. in the company. Like, duh, it's just, there's, there's so many people, but you can never say never. And that's the craziest thing right now is the fact that there's rumors that he's signing with WWE again after he got yeah. fired from the company on his wedding day. And all the the McMahon family don't like him. Triple H, who's the head of creative, said he'd never say never, but probably never. Like it, the two world champions in WWE don't want to work with him. But it, there's <laughs> it's so much money involved that he's probably going to do it. What I love is the most real part about wrestling sounds so soap opery fake. <laughs> like it does. <laughs> well, the thing about CM Punk, like as again a glancing fan you probably most recognize him for his press conferences that are just like, how the hell has this guy still got a job kind of thing? And, but that's what gets people to watch his shows. And so that's why that Vince McMahon, hate him or love him, uh, sees the money or opportunity of bringing in somebody that's so bombastic. And uh, yeah, I just he's definitely going to be going somewhere for sure. I'm surprised he's not staying with all of the wrestling. You've got to be a big problem to be pushed away after all they've given you. Well, after AEW signed him, Vince McMahon went on record saying he's their problem now. Like he was like, "Good, fine." Like I got this guy out of my hand, out of my hair. Apparently, it's just a thing that was expected with him, and it just got a little too much for Tony Khan to be able to keep him around. So he's gone. (laughs) Okay, so is he so good, or is it just that his his fans are so dedicated to him? Why is he still needed? So. In his original run with both in Ring of Honor before he joined WWE in the first time in the first place and that initial first run in WWE, his character was just a a punch to the gut in pro wrestling. Like there was no competition. That was after WCW had sold to Vince. There was yeah. no televised competition except for TNA that the product had gotten so stale. And here's this guy claiming to be the voice of the voiceless. He's the this uh, basically had a messiah character that he had a cult following him around and he just got to be bigger than pro wrestling itself Mm -hmm. to the point where the company didn't like him. He wasn't like the Hulk Hogan or John Cena or the rock like he wasn't the company manufactured man. He's the 
Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. He's CM Punk, man. He's the guy that the crowd got behind despite the company not pushing him to be that guy. Okay. So he got to be Reyes like beginning when like they were really pushing him to be the next big company man. It was before that, actually, like um, they, they ended up pushing him toward the end of CM Punk's time in WWE. But yeah, it's he's just he got to be so big that everybody that's our age that watches pro wrestling follows him like yeah. he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> it's, it's I don't know. I've never been a big fan of CM Punk. I respect what he's done for the what business, but yeah, yeah I, I I don't personally feel that way about him, but I understand how people do. He's he's an appealing presence because the 90s was like the hey, like not the heyday, but it was. Wrestling became mainstream. I think, in my opinion. And then I bet after that, after some of the names went aside, then what do you do? So then Vince McMahon's trying to manufacture that vibe again. And then you got this guy that's like, yeah, well, you know what? Screw that. Sh-. I mean, I'm almost pretty for him all of a sudden just from what you told me about him. Yeah, okay. What about, <laughs> this is totally off topic almost, Fogle, like Cactus Jack, was he ever kind of that kind of CM Punk status or was he also kind of manufactured in a way? I think he was a good combination of both. Honestly, like he's, he's just a fun loving guy, but he also loved doing whatever it took to get the job done in the ring to make the fans happy. Like, yeah, the the McMahons loved him and he loved it. So it was, it was kind of both fans loved. I just, he was one of those back in the day. Like I was a big Rikishi fan. Of course, the rock who didn't like the rock and you know, whatever. Um, And there were times where I was even a triple H fan. What the hell? But he was one of those guys that is like he would come in and was like, no matter what, everybody was rooting for him, no matter what side of the fight he was on, whose side he was on, because it's like, oh, he's the honest one. He's actually out there because, you know, he's known for being bloody during these barbed wire matches and stuff like that. So, yeah, now I know he's like podcasting and stuff like that. He's keeping busy in other ways. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's neat. Uh, Anything else we need to know from the state of wrestling right now? Because I know there's like a lot going on right now. Is there any other big stories we need to know about? Uh, nothing that big. Jade Cargill is in WWE now. The the one thing that I did want to mention about Jade Cargill is that she was the first, I guess the second person to jump ship from AEW to WWE, but she's the first one that was not a star before AEW. C- Cody Rhodes being the oh, first. Because wow. Cody that Rhodes helped start AEW. AEW then, because then they're producing stars worthy of WWE. Yes, and it was a big get for WWE to get somebody that AEW wanted to keep as badly as they did. And it wasn't even a money thing with her. She's married to an M- to an MLB player, I believe. Oh, so wow. like they didn't need the money at all. It was it's more of a she had Cody Rhodes going to bat for her. WWE is the biggest company. So why not go to where m- the more eyes are like it, it totally makes sense why she jumped ship. But then you have uh, the guy who used to be Edge, Adam Copeland, just left oh, yeah. WWE and signed with AEW. So it's the exact opposite. This guy who's already been a world champion numerous times, he had to retire once because of injuries, came back from retirement a couple of years ago, and is now in this relatively new company trying to help them out because it's a new challenge for him trying to help build this new company up. So the same time that this new wrestler jumps ship to the big company, you get someone who's established from the big company jumping ship. It's just, it, it's all exciting. I love seeing 
these pay-per-views that AEW puts up because every pay-per-view is almost every pay-per-view. There's a new debut. And it's like, holy shit, I totally expected it, but it's still awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's so fun. So fun. I think what we need to do, hear me out on this. I think we need to have like a wrestling corner once a month or about once every two months where you fill us in on what's going on. I think that's probably <laughs> our best bet. <laughs> there's a that. lot going on. I, I try to keep up on the news because I, I joke around about it in our Discord, but like if if you post anything about wrestling, boy, it does triple as good on social media than it does anything else. Just because again, the fans are so hungry for any little content they can get. Um, going back to the console wars, though, I got a question for you: AEW, WWE, which one's Xbox, which was PlayStation? WWE is probably PlayStation because it was the established company. AEW is the edgy product. Um, I. I don't know how else to really compare it. Like PlayStation's been around for a lot longer. WWE's been around for a lot longer. Um, yeah. Xbox. I feel like <laughs> Xbox fans feel like they're a little bit more scrappy in a way. Like they're because yeah. Xbox always gets overshadowed by PlayStation. But on the other yeah. side of that, it's like yeah, but Xbox also has like everything else. Microsoft, which is like WWE, kind of like has yeah, but we have the lunch boxes and stuff too. So it's kind of like you could really kind of flip that around, probably both ways in a way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I honestly think that AEW probably has more money, though, to be honest, because the, it, it's really? owned, he, they're owned by Shad Khan, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, Tony Khan, <laughs> who is um, the main owner of, I think, Fulham Football Club. I see. So, so yeah, like I, they're already in sports and have tons of money. Yeah. OK. And but, it feels like it's more sports purist and less. Yeah. I hate well, that would make it more of Sony. That would make. What's yeah, that? Yeah. I hate Vince McMahon so much. Like, I don't know. It just bugs me so much. Even as you are fired. <laughs> He's such a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> being honest. Uh, but that's the point. He, he, you're supposed to not like him. That's kind of his gimmick, really. Yeah. He does good. AEW's a scrappy underdog, and they're kicking ass. I, I that, That's all I got to say about that. You guys got to get on on wrestling because this is a good time to do it. They're, they're, unfortunately, WWE just laid off a ton of wrestlers. But that's the other. Like, hey, he does. But yeah, I did a whole post about it and then people were pissed off because I mispronounced one of the names. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> again, I got to know which name. I didn't see that video. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, people were pissed. Um, and so but yeah, nevertheless, uh, hopefully they get picked up by AEW since it sounds like they're open for business over there. Hey, friends, I want to tell you once more about Magic Mind. Magic Mind is a shot you take along with your coffee in the morning. Keeps you calm, focused and makes getting through your mornings a little bit easier. I now use Magic Mind as part of my daily routine while I'm working on content, editing podcasts, or even just doing some hardcore gaming. Magic Mind is a really big help to me. Now, while you're listening to this podcast, I want you guys to head to the description. I've got links for Magic Mind so you guys can check it out, read about the all-natural ingredients and the beneficial effects this stuff has. If you have any questions about my personal experience with Magic Mind, please reach out. I've been drinking the product now for a couple months and enjoy it quite a bit. If you get some Magic Mind, let me know how you're enjoying it. Let's compare notes. All right, guys, again, link in the description. Check it out for yourself. I know you're going to be a fan of it, just like I am. All right, we're going to go into our reviews. Before we get into the Cyberpunk review, I want to talk about Loki Season 2 premiering. After Loki season one, we had a lot of questions that needed to be answered. We set up a whole new world where Loki, where um, looked like Kang was in charge. They, I felt like in the first episode they did a lot of retconning. Do you feel like they were a little heavy-handed with that, or no? 
I don't think it was too heavy handed. I think it was the right amount. Like I was really curious. Oh, excuse me. That's a reflux. Um, I was really curious what they were going to do with it because it did seem like it was a total new world rather than just going back in time. I'm glad that it is the way that it is because it left a lot of room for the characters reuniting that I really wanted to see with Loki trying to explain to to Mobius everything that had happened with Sylvie and uh, he who remains. So I'm really glad that that I, I, I fucking love this first episode. It was so, so good. Everything I wanted and more. What about this? Are you loving? Like, what is it that's really grabbing you? Okay, the, I, I, it's 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 hard to explain. It's so it's legitimately yeah. everything. I love the acting. Yeah. I love the writing. The way that it's presented is just so so clean. It's it's mm-hmm. there's no like waiting for anything. Because if like we we want to see where uh, Renslayer that's that's her name. We want to yeah. catch up with her. Yeah, we want to catch up with Renslayer. But there's so much other stuff that's interesting enough going on that I don't care that she wasn't in the first episode. Like, I love this whole uh, Loki getting pulled through time thing because it was just entertaining to watch that. And Mobius' yeah. reaction to that. Um, OB was fucking hilarious. Stole I love that. the show. He was, yeah. every, He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouroboros. That's yeah. Ouroboros. Ouroboros that's what it is. Was. Yeah. 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 And then um, I, I forgot that Eugene Cordero was in it. He was the the janitor or whoever it was the guy that was wearing the orange headphones at the beginning yeah he's a uh, he's rutherford from star trek lower decks so yeah. that was really cool i'm like yeah it's just everything about the presentation to the writing to the acting is just it's spot on and even yeah. if it wasn't marvel i would still be watching the show and adoring every minute of it it has so the acting i think is above a lot of other marvel stuff not just because of, you know, Owen Wilson and the main actors that you see in front of you, but also like the three judges or the you know, two judges that were really talking. I was like, boy, these are interesting character actors yeah. that I'm invested in after just a few lines of dialogue already. And I'm like, oh, why does she seems like a little too close to that bodyguard? What's going on with those two? Like that's all being carried through by performances. And so top notch. Also, time travel is just fun. And so yeah. right away, like I was telling Tom, I was like, I want to hear that like Loki was calling that phone to try to get Loki's attention and Sylvie yeah. knew she had to open those doors at that moment to slow him down or something. And so I can't wait for that to unfold. And they really had set up a really neat way to do that. Um, also, the aesthetic's really cool, too. It's got this like 60s bureaucracy vibe that yes. is pretty cool, like golds and browns. It's nothing else in Marvel's even attempting this. Cool. Yeah, it has a real like heavy fallout vibe without the the war. <laughs> like that's what it yeah. feels like to me like the charm of that yeah because like all too. the tech is still modern tech but it's being done on like yeah. what's those tvs that kyle collects uh, the crts yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that's what he's watching when he's watching loki he's like that's a nice <laughs> monitor right there <laughs> uh, i i was kind of calling it out for being a little bit star trekky in the way that it was like first off i've seen so many times where somebody's jumping around in time like this I've seen uh, the idea of like, I have this device, doesn't matter what the device is called or what it, where it comes from. I have this device that's going to solve our problems. It's MacGuffin. I'm going to put it out there and we're going to get our character back. Um, so there was very much things I would see in like a Star Trek. And at the end, obviously he's fine, but it felt fresh in a kind of like a Doctor Who way almost too, um, where I didn't feel like sci-fi has really done this story too much, but just feels familiar. I do appreciate that. I think this yeah. is a good corner for Marvel. I was afraid that they were going to keep that time slipping 
the time jumping time t- or whatever it was. I yeah. thought that they were going to keep that for like half the season. And I was afraid that it was going to be a subplot that went on way too long. I'm glad they used the MacGuffin to get past it in the first episode. Yeah. That being said, though, it is cool that obviously they retconned away. I mean, I'm saying retconned as a harsh term, but I don't necessarily mean it as a harsh term. Um, they they did kind of retcon the ending of season one, but it's not that it's gone or they fixed the problem. It's just, no, that was the past. And now it's part of the solution is knowing that he, for somehow or some reason, wiped away everybody's memory and Kang or he who remains or whomever around um, still existed in both times. So it was so like when we saw the end of season one, it's not that we went to an alternate timeline. We just went to an earlier timeline, which I think is a good way to kind of like even subvert our expectations on what we saw. It was pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Any suggestions on what we'll see out of Kang, knowing that we won't have Jonathan Majors for long? Do you think they're going to try to fix him or anything? I, I don't know. It goes back to me not wanting to guess. I don't know enough <laughs> about the source material either in this yeah. case for to, to make a guess. Yeah. I'm just, I'm happy to watch it and I'm hoping to be surprised. It's kind of nice in comparison to Ahsoka where you do know so much about everything and you're kind of filling in your friends with like, oh, well, this character is, let me explain, (laughs) you know, space, you know, Aladdin to you. Um, With this one, not knowing the source material, you're also on with the journey and stuff like that. So it is pretty fun to kind of, uh, I haven't been looking up TVA comics. I don't care. I just want to see this cool effect. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, let's give a grade to this premiere and then we're going to also do a grade for the season finale also like we do normally but let's give a grade for the premiere you go ahead and start off I'm giving it an A plus are you kidding me this thing was fantastic I love season one but this I, I was expecting it to be good it blew my expectations out of the water my life my life my wife loved it as well <laughs> I mean my wife is my life right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah if she uh, listens th- to this podcast then definitely she is <laughs> <laughs> yeah she yeah. We we both loved it. It was it was fantastic. I couldn't have asked for anything more, and I wouldn't. Yeah, A plus for sure. That's good. Uh, yeah, I'd have to give it. I'm giving it um an A minus just because I I had originally felt like it was a little heavy handed with the uh fixing of the last season. The second watch through, I I appreciate a lot more though. So I'm giving it an A minus, and I think that kind of gives me some leeway on that one. But overall, totally excited for this, and I think it's got much more potential than like Secret Invasion had. So. I'm here for it. It's, it's good stuff. All right, let's go ahead and hear from Scott and all about Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. I'm here to talk to you about Cyberpunk's Phantom Liberty DLC. I'm just going to jump right into it. You know, when I'm looking to get a DLC or just any game in general, you know, my one of my first questions is, is it worth it? You know, how much am I getting for what I'm paying? My rule of thumb is, you know, one hour of content for every dollar I spend. And Phantom Liberty definitely delivers on that. Um, you know, the main mission itself is going to run you 10 to 15 hours, depending on your pacing. But the side missions and side events and and all of that sort of stuff is going to run you another 20 hours, you know, generally. So we're definitely over the 30 hour mark for a $30 DLC. I think that's great, you know, because I've definitely been burned in the past where I've bought maybe it was a $5 DLC, but it also only offered about five minutes worth of content. Um, Shadow of Mordor, I'm looking at you. So uh, that's the first first thing 
you know, that I always look at. The next thing I look at is obviously, is it fun? Is it good? What's the quality like? You know, sometimes these DLC are kind of slapped together. No, I think CD Projekt Red really time on this. Um, you know, they're definitely trying to make up for that launch. And for me, um, you know, the setting is great, right? Dogtown, it's a closed off separate district of Night City. It's considered like an independent entity ruled over by, you know, basically a warlord. To get it, I mean, you have to sneak in just to get in. And the first thing you're going to do there is try to save the president, which is a great opening act for the district. Um, It's a high octane, action packed, you know, sort of mission where you're just fighting off waves of enemies. There's a big boss battle. Um, You know, there's some twists. It's it's a great time. And then then you get to go meet the great Idris Elba, which Idris brings. I say Idris like we're friends. Uh, Idris Elba brings uh, kind of just a gravitas to the situation that only Idris Elba can bring, you know. Um, he does a great job of connecting with the player and, you know, throughout the, the game, you'll, you'll bond with Idris Elba. Uh, you'll go on James Bond spy missions with him and then you'll go to a party. You know, it's, it's very much, you know, they call it the FIA, which is basically, you know, the CIA. It does. It's almost like a James Bond, but cyberpunk, you know, which means it's darker. Um, but he, he really does a great job just kind of keeping you interested in the people involved and it does drag a little bit in the middle. I'll say that uh, as you transition from saving the president to, you know, a new goal, there's some really neat things to be seen here. You know, there's a concert that's really cool actually, and some new technology, but the main mission for the most part, you know, once you get through the middle part, uh, it goes right back to just being a great time. There's a lot going on. And, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, getting into the side things, it's just a lot of what I've come to accept expect from cyberpunk, which is there's a lot of morally great decisions to be made. Sometimes you're helping people that maybe you wouldn't normally help uh, or maybe you choose not to. And some of them maybe made the right decision or the wrong decision. And the ending isn't even what you expected it to be. Cyberpunk has a, a lot of running themes dealing with just the moral realities of life. Um, And not everything is black and white. And cyberpunk doesn't fail to deliver on all of that, you know? So I think it, it meshes really well with the rest of the game. That's always another thing I look for. You know, sometimes DLC, uh, they feel very slapped together. You know, the quality is not the same as the original game or lore wise. They don't even seem to match, you know, like no cyberpunk, you know, CD Projekt Red did a very good job of making Dogtown feel very much a part of Night City. And the Phantom Liberty DLC as a whole continues a lot of the themes and just the overall atmosphere of cyberpunk. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. And I recommend, you know, if you were jaded by the launch and you never gave it a second chance, now's the time to do so. Seriously. Um, it's a lot of fun and... The Phantom Liberty DLC really, really just kind of adds the icing on top, um, and it's worth every penny in my opinion. All right, let's go into our new color books for the week. Uh, I've got four color books for you guys to be checking out. 
We've got Batman and Robin number two. Again, this is with Damian Wayne returning with Bruce. Uh, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 35. This is bringing in a new version of the Green Goblin. He looks like he's uh, going dark mode. Uh, the X-Men is going through a lot of restructure right now, so check out X-Men Red number 16. And then we also have a new Green Lantern uh, franchise that just started up uh, two months ago. And so right now they're at Green Lantern number four. If you go to your comic book shops, a lot of times for the mainstays like Green Lantern, they'll buy extra copies. So you could probably jump and get those first uh, three as well. So check those eyes out. Uh, comes out every Wednesday. Head your local comic book shops. Support those local businesses, guys. And uh, we'll put out more recommendations on Wednesday. We do that over on TikTok with all the rest of our headlines. Uh, speaking of the network, <laughs> who's got next game podcast, guys? I was talking to the guys and like, hey, when do you want to start your season two? Like, oh, we're still waiting for you to release two more episodes of our season one. Like, what are you talking about? They forgot to send them to me. So, <laughs> so that's awesome. Surprise, season one got extended by two episodes. <laughs> the first one released yesterday and the second one we're going to release next week. So you got back-to-back -back episodes. They were the episodes they recorded live in person. It was the first time they're doing this. I will give you a warning. Audio is three brand new podcasters figuring out how to record in live. So keep that in mind. But we've already begun editing their season two because these guys are ahead of the game. They're already recording and, and sending me over season two. And I will tell you, they bought new mics and sound pristine. I cannot wait for you guys to check out season two. But yeah, check out Who's Got Name Next Game podcast. Brand new episodes are releasing for that right now for season one. Um, and then we got Outlast podcast releasing right now. Uh, Challenge Accepted, of course, is releasing as well. We're covering uh, every episode of Loki. And um, and then we also have headlines coming out every single day. So come and check out headlines as well on all your favorite podcast network, channels. Sorry, on all your favorite podcast uh, platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, and Reels. Let's end with our recommendations. What recommendation do you have for the week? Um, shit. All <laughs> right, take your time. Te text a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. No. Um. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> No, um, honestly, I have a, I had a hard time picking between two things. Um, I'm going to go with I, I talked about it earlier in the podcast. I'm going to talk about Hitman uh, World of Assassination. It's such a fun game. They recently added a roguelike mode to it. Uh, the, the game is just so good. If you're wanting to s scratch that stealth itch, it is such a fun game. Just every it, it, it's comedy and stealth like written together. With just, I love that. Yeah, it's, it, I guess the, the comedy is not even written into the game. It's just it, it happens. It's uh, I, I forget what they call that, but it's it's just such a fun game. It Anything can happen in it and like something that you do can affect something else in the game. And it's all unintended consequences that end up making the game just so random and so fun. It's a fun game. Yeah, I've never actually played them all the way through. I've only played them because my nephew's like, I can't get past this level. Can you help me? And then I'll do the <laughs> thing for him. So that's a good time for me to jump in and actually finish the story myself. That'd be a good idea. My suggestion for you guys is we have Prime Days, a new version of Prime Days, it's all capitalism. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's 10th and 11th. The key, though, is because Amazon Prime is going so hard this month, they're giving away Ghostwire Tokyo for free. So if you have Prime, Ghostwire Tokyo is like almost a new game. Make sure you guys go onto your guys' thing. It's only for the PC version, but it's going to be completely free. And you guys can get that yourself. Make sure you lock that in because you're already paying for Prime. You might as well get the free games too. And as a side note, uh, they're trying to push their groceries, Amazon Fresh. Um, so if you spend 100 bucks, you get $50 back. Keep that in mind too. If you're going to buy groceries, try out Amazon Prime, I guess. But my main thing is go enjoy your free games. You're already paying for Amazon Prime. But yeah, go Spire Tokyo. I'm going to have to check that out. I know Kyle really liked it. Yeah, Kyle really liked it. I think he was playing it. But yeah. 
he plays through games so damn fast nowadays. It's ridiculous. I'm like, hey, did you yeah. play this game? He's like, yeah, I beat it last week. I'm like, it came out last week. Son <laughs> <laughs> <Stop> of a bitch. <laughs> he's a, he he and Scott is, are both insane. Yeah. And the worst thing, too, is now he's got a job with video games. So it's like <laughs> the last thing he needed to be around was more video games. <laughs> it's a real problem. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, let us know what you guys thought about this episode with a more discussion-based episode. Um, we like to try different things out, and we hope you liked it. Um, and then check out the YouTube version as well, because we have all these discussions will be individual YouTube videos this week over on the podcast uh, YouTube channel. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.